Welcome to Saving You is Killing Me, Loving Someone with an Addiction podcast. Loving someone with an addiction is a life of chaos. This podcast is to help you take back your power and build strength, hope, and restore peace in your life. We use the science and art of positive psychology, professionals in their field, along with personal stories of hope, resilience, and strength. We hope you can discover how the courage to focus on you can help put your life back together. When you are in a place of exhaustion, hopelessness, and emptiness, we are a community that knows all too well the turmoil that comes from loving someone with an addiction. We are here to help you compassionately struggle well. Hey there, you're listening to the Saving You Is Killing Me podcast hosted by me, Andrea Seidel. I'm the author and founder of Saving You Is Killing Me, Loving Someone With An Addiction. This podcast is for you if you're ready to find a way to struggle well, take back your power, and live life happier while you're navigating loving or losing someone to addiction. I wholeheartedly believe that when you love someone with an addiction, your life gets damaged in some way. Since we can't control someone else's addiction, but we are greatly affected by it, the number one thing you can do is take back your power and focus on you. I believe happiness, joy, and well-being is available to anyone. So the thoughts and perspectives I share here on the show are my own and those of the guests on the show. If you ever hear anything that feels harmful or triggering, I'm pre-apologizing and I'm open to being better and value any feedback and the permission to be human. That said, always take what you love, what feels good and leave the rest The conversations and tools I'll share here will give you everything you need to figure out exactly how to navigate addiction, put yourself first, and how to build resilience for your well-being in a way that feels really, really good. I use these tools to take back the power in my life to build my strength back up and restore peace. And I teach my clients how to create their own version of a life where they can tap into their power and restore their happiness. My goal is for you to listen and leave saying, why is this the only family or spouse support system that doesn't make you feel like you're the problem? And it feels so energizing, empowering, and uplifting thinking that you're not going crazy after all. I am here for you. Finally, please know you are not alone and you are worthy of prioritizing your well-being. So let's jump into the show. Hey there, Andrea Seidel here. I am the author of Saving You Is Killing Me, Loving Someone With An Addiction. And today I have a wonderful guest on the show and she is going to share her story of strength and resilience. And I'm so grateful for you being here. Thank you for being here, Courtney. Well, thank you for having me, Andrea. I'm excited to be here and hopefully share something that is helpful um, to the listeners. Well, that is why we always have people on the show that have been through it. They've been in the muck of loving someone with an addiction, wherever they are on the path. It's just so nice to know that you're not alone. And for you sharing your story, it's going to help so many other people because they might find themselves in your story or they might be, you know, looking for ideas or inspiration. So, you know, we're just so grateful for all the people that come on the show and share their story of strength and resilience. Mm -hmm. 
Thank Yay. you. Yay. So truth be told, I know Courtney because she has come to the well-being huddles and she is a part of the SYKM community and active in our Facebook group. And you always have so many wonderful, you know, just stories of compassion and just you reach out and I read your comments to some of the other members in the group and you're just so loving and such a, a great force that we have within the community and even in the meetups when you um, share your knowledge and what you've been through it just it helps so many others so I'm so thankful for you being here so can you tell us a little bit about yourself Courtney sure sure so um, first and foremost I'm a mother um, and then uh, professionally, I'm a research scientist. Um, so I've done that for, gosh, over 15 years. And I am not a mental health professional by any means. <laughs> um, so everything that I say is from my experience and things that I have um, read. Um, I've, you know, I've read multiple books and listened to multiple podcasts, including your podcast over the years. Um, and I have lived with someone with an addiction. I knew him for 21 years. Um, we were married for almost 10. Um, and I will say in the very beginning, I didn't even know I was dealing with addictions. Um, I thought I was dealing with mental health issues. And then over time started to learn like the bits and pieces. Um, and it was very hard for me to put it's like when you put together a puzzle and you just have a few scattered pieces about and you're like, what is going on, right? It's like, you know, red flags popping in, weird things happening. And, and it, I, it took me a really long time to put the puzzle together and, and understand, one, the severity of what I was dealing with, but two, exactly what we were dealing with. And so in my case, it was more... Um, what you would call process addictions or behavior addictions. So it included like internet, um, uh, video games, pornography, which then escalated over time. Um, and it wasn't until probably, I would say six years ago that we were in a therapist's office because we went to <laughs> we went to multiple therapists over the years. <laughs> Um, but again, when you're in a therapy space and someone's not telling the truth and admitting what their behaviors are, um, I, we weren't getting the proper help that we needed because, again, no one knew what we were de dealing with. Um, so six years ago, he was labeled as a sex addict. Um, and like I said, it was just behaviors that escalate, like any addiction that goes unchecked, it was behaviors that escalated over time. Um, and got to the, I would say, more severe end. Um, so, so yeah, I have the real life experience <laughs> of, you know, learning, learning over the last 21 years. Um, and really, I would say probably the last six years joining addiction support groups. Um, and then the last three years joining more of the betrayal trauma and more support groups for what I was going through. Oh my gosh. And I'm so sorry that you have gone through this. We all know in this community, the, how hard it is. And, and it's so interesting the way you say it too. And, and I felt the exact same way is that in mine was a hit in my situation was a hidden addiction as well. 
And so um, I didn't know I was dealing with it. For me too, it was the ups and downs. It was, I thought I was dealing with depression or maybe bipolar or something. I was trying to diagnose, you know, like we all do. Um, But it's true. It's like, once you start putting the pieces of the puzzle together and then you realize like, oh my gosh, the curtain opens, you see what's behind the curtain. It's like, oh my gosh. And then you realize, holy cow, like it, it all makes sense suddenly. Mm-hmm. And, um, and then, and then, yeah, all those things start to creep up. It's like the betrayal. And it's just like, it's like, you know, so let's go into that. Like what, what, what ha- has been, or what is your biggest struggle, uh, around loving someone with an addiction? Um, <laughs> many struggles. I yes. don't know what the biggest is. Um, I will say I did have to do a lot of education for myself to really understand what, you know, what exactly is addiction? Um, what was I going through? And I will say it was really hard for me not to take his behavior personally. Mm-hmm. And even though no matter how many times I was told, you know, someone else's behaviors do not reflect on you when there's such an, you know, intimate betrayal of the actual behavior, it is really hard to separate, you know, this is just maladaptive coping, you know, this is how he's dealt with, um, you know, it's a need-seeking behavior that he's doing that has been morphed over time since he was a child, you know, and not, how dare he do this to me, like, you know, the, the level of disrespect in someone's actions over and over again. Um, and then coming to terms with c- calling him out and knowing what it was and setting boundaries, but then those boundaries were constantly broken. And so it was a another level, I kept thinking, oh, this is so disrespectful. You know, not only are his behaviors disrespectful, he's not respecting my boundaries. You know, it's it's the lying as well, where it's like, to me, if you lie to someone, that's just one more layer of disrespect. Um, and, it, you know, lacking that transparency and honesty and, you know, really coming to terms with, like I said, this, this does not have anything to do with me, right? <laughs> This is, he's going to do this whether I'm in the picture or not, um, which he has proven that, you know, now that I'm not in the picture. And so, but it took me, I would say years and I still struggle with like, Courtney, don't take it personally. You know, someone else like this is, you know, hurt people, hurt other people. This is his coping. You know, he hasn't learned healthy ways to deal with his emotions and, you know, childhood wounds and his trauma. Right. Um, so I think that probably take not taking something personally is probably the hardest for me. Oh, and that's so common. And I, I can relate to that on so many levels. And that was hard for me too. And also even the, the part about him leaving, like, it, like, it was so funny because I, funny, not funny, but I always thought like, you know, I would be the one doing the leaving because of how much crap I put up with and how much, you know, I was dealing with at the time and so much bad behavior and abuse and this and that until he like literally left, disappeared, abandoned me and the kids. And 
it was so, it was like, I took it so personally. It's like, I'm like, how dare you leave me? Like you're the, you're the one causing all the crap in this relationship, so to speak. And, and it's so hard to not take all the behavior personally. Like, it's so hard. Like, are you choosing to go out with your friends instead of me? Like, am I not fun? You'd rather be in the garage all night than coming in and having intimate time with me in bed. Like, am I not sexy? Or, you know, like you start to really, it's so hard. And I, and for people in the muck or people, you know, in this situation, situation right now, it, I think it's, you know, very common to, for us to take it really personally. And so how do we navigate that? And like, in your opinion, how did you navigate that? Yeah, so I do. So I've been in a few programs. And like I said, read a few books around, like, what are some tools to cope? And so I spent a lot of time really breaking down the be like uh, trying to understand why he was doing what he was doing. And there's, I feel like I'm at a point where I can, I can clearly understand his behaviors. Uh, I can see where he's coming from. I can understand given his childhood history, why he does the things that he does. Um, and that these are patterns from the last 35, 40 years of his life. Um, but it's this also knowing that I can understand, but I, I can choose not to accept certain behaviors, right? And so understanding um, that and then also understanding my reactions, like why do I have such strong reactions when he, if he's going out and lying and cheating, and I used to get this anger response. And for the longest time, I would squash it down. Like, you know, my childhood was like, you know, you got angry and that's inappropriate and girls are supposed to be nice and fun. And, you know, so it was like, anger is bad, right? So you get angry, you just push it down. You don't say a word, you know? And so I was constantly walking on eggshells and then eventually it would get to the point where it was like, it would build up and it would build up and it would build up. And then it was like, okay, I just explode like a volcano because I can't stand this anymore. And so a lot of my work has been around understanding my feelings, you know, really getting to the root of why am I feeling this way? Why am I angry? And understanding how to nurture those feelings in an appropriate way um, and give myself that, you know, compassion of like, well, Courtney, it makes perfect sense why you're angry. Like this man is doing abusive things and things that you should not tolerate in a relationship. Like anyone in your situation would get angry. Um, and so it was kind of sitting in those feelings, you know, not, not squashing them down because I was, I would say I was like the poster child of compartmentalization and shoving down hard feelings and moving forward like a freight train because it's like, well, I've got two kids to take care of. I've got a full-time job. I've got my dog. I've got a household to run. Like, I don't have time to deal with this, right? So it's a survival mechanism of like, push down the hard, move forward with your life, you know, focus on the good, Um. And so I've done a lot of work around identifying those feelings, 
feeling those feelings, like letting myself actually sit, like, like you say, sit in that wet diaper, (laughs) which is a horrible, it's a horrible place to be when you're sitting in these horrific, like painful feelings of betrayal and hurt and, you know, disrespect and, you know, the, the, this partner that you chose who's supposed to care about you more than anyone in the world that's going behind your back and living a secret, you know, double life that you had no clue about um, with all these other people, right? Um, So sitting in those feelings, and then I will say anger is a tricky one because I had to learn how to morph my anger into motivation. So using that anger for good instead of using that anger as like, I'm going to make you understand how, why I'm so angry versus I get angry. Why am I angry? What do I need to do about it? I need to set different boundaries, right? Like using that anger to control what I can control. Um, and so that has been, that has taken a long time as well. And I will say, I still, I still once in a while fly off the handle. <laughs> um, but again, it's around, you flew off the handle because you have been pushed to your absolute, you know, limit. And again, anyone in that situation would probably fly off the handle. So self-compassion and what do you need to do, you know, to, to set a space up of emotional safety for yourself and what boundaries and, you know, what are you going to do about what you can control? If that makes sense. Oh gosh. So many things to unpack there. I love it. Okay. Yes. So, and obviously it's so important, like it's okay not to be okay. And that these emotions are absolutely what it means to be human. And yes, when you love someone with an addiction and you're dealing with some bizarre behavior and lots of abuse potentially, and just like behavior that you don't necessarily understand that we definitely take personally and that it's, it's so hard to navigate those feelings, but yes, sitting in the wet diaper, it is so essential. So many times that if we take something that's a terrible emotion or it feels really terrible, or, you know, where there's sadness, there's disgust, there's anger, there's aggression. Like we just feel all those feelings. If we sweep them under the carpet, like eventually they're going to like stink. Like, you know, if you take dirt in your house and garbage and you put it under the carpet, you know, it's going to get a big bulge and it's going to like start to stink. And so I love that you bring that up that first and foremost is recognizing it makes sense that you're angry it makes sense that you're having these emotions it's like I'm sitting in that and like you said I love that you brought up that saying that I have sitting in the wet (laughs) diaper because so many times we try to like yeah we're meant to be happy we're meant to be in like I'm in positive psychology like so why am I getting so angry like you know I was like questioning like and that's toxic positivity So the idea here is to, I love that you bring this up, is to honor the emotions. And I always say that emotions are like methods of communication. It's like that anger is there for a reason to motivate you for change, to motivate you to take action, to motivate you to get the heck out or or change what's going on. 
So if we disregard or we don't listen to those emotions, then we're doing a disservice to our well-being. And so part of safeguarding our mental health is recognizing the emotions that are coming up. And what you're saying is that like, yeah, anger is a tough one because it does come up, but we can turn it into um, motivation. We can turn it into recognizing what it is that we have control over. And you said it so beautiful. It's like taking that emotion to help you with motivation. I always call it negative motivation because it's like, it's an emotion. It's like, okay. Like, and I always joke that people who are freshly divorced are like so highly motivated to get to the gym or like, you know, it's like, <laughs> so if someone like, you know, and like, to, like, um, I once had this lady that she was freshly divorced because her husband cheated on her and had an addiction and, um, sex addiction. And so she was finally motivated, like, and she, she like got to the gym and she used that motivation, that anger, that frustration to help her have that motivation for good for her. And she knew what she had control over, not necessarily that, but she had control over herself and her own actions. So I love that you bring that up. And, and you talked a little bit about, um, emotional safety. And so I, I always ask my, my people that come on to the show as well as like, what is it that you did or what do you do to take back your power? And so can we talk a little bit about this idea of emotional safety? Sure. Sure. So um, I will say originally, so this, things started to come to like the, the peak of issues in January of 2020. So it was right before COVID hit. And I think this is important. Um, to lay out. So it's, I found out he had broke my non-negotiable boundary for staying in the relationship. And this was the first time it was like that boundary had been set four years ago with a therapist. And this was the first time I found out he had passed it. I had a severe respiratory illness and so did my son. And looking back, it was probably COVID. And so I was having all sorts of physical issues we had a lawsuit against a car dealership for fraud um, and they actually came and they vandalized our home. And so all of this kind of <laughs> happened right. within a week of each other. And it was like that, abs you know, the, the trauma of someone that had been watching my home and, and came onto my property to do something, you know, to scare me and to threaten plus the betrayal. <laughs> and it was, it was that in that time where I was like, what am I going to do? Okay. So obviously I got to put a security system in my home because all of our cameras were inside looking at the, the kids and the nanny. So I'm like, okay, I got to get a security kit system for the outside. Um, and then I took about half a day to think about what I wanted to do regarding the crossing of my non-negotiable boundary. And I told him, I said, you know, I need, I need a safe space and you need to be out of the house in two weeks. And at the time it was kind of like, I wasn't thinking straight. Like <laughs> I was, I was in panic mode. Right. But looking back, I'm like all of my crate, like I would say crazy, but all of my behaviors throughout this entire relationship, we're all safety seeking behaviors. And so I was like, I need safety in my home. Like, I don't feel comfortable with you in my home. And then it was, okay, I need to get my physical health 
back on track. Because if I go down, this whole ship goes down and I've got a four and a six-year-old to take care of. And so I made it a, first a priority to focus on my physical health because I was down to 118 pounds. I'm five foot eight. I was like, wow. this is not, I did not feel good. I was having lung pain. I was having horrible breathing issues. They diagnosed my son and I with asthma at the time. So I'm on all this medication. <laughs> and I was like, this is not good. Like this, then COVID hit, right? <laughs> So then it was like, I have to prioritize my physical health. So I ended up, I'm like, I've always been an athletic person. I played college sports. I loved working out. And I was like, I am going to get strong. I need to gain at least 10 pounds back. And that is my focus. And so I started making these goals for myself as far as I'm going to walk the dog every day. You know, I'm going to work out. I loved lifting weights. And so I could see my progress over time where it was like, oh, I I need to bump up. I need to buy a 20 pound set of weights. I need to buy a 30 pound set of weights. And, you know, as you progress, then you start feeling really good. Like I am getting stronger. I was gaining the weight back, like healthy weight. And he, we happened to have a pull-up bar in our basement. And I was like, you know what? I've never done a pull-up in my life. I've always wanted to, <laughs> it's like, I, my goal is I'm going to do a pull-up in the next two months. And so eventually it was, I got to four pull-ups, which, you know, I've, I felt really good about. And so I was like, okay, I'm at a good place physically. And it was like, I need to prioritize my sleep. I need to prioritize, you know, the kid activities um, and my health. And so once I was in that space and I had a routine down, then I said, I need to approach to um, focus on my emotional safety. And that was a whole, a whole process of understanding, like, who am I? (laughs) What do I like? Because, you know, I've been with this man for 21 years. And it was like, at the core, like, what's my personality? What do I enjoy doing? What brings me joy? What's you know, what are those small moments that I love throughout the day? And then it was kind of making that list of when I am not feeling emotionally stable, what do I need to do? So I can go, you know, drink a cup of tea. I can meditate. I can work out. I can go pet my dog. I can play with my kids. Like, what is it that brings me kind of back into that emotional regulation space? Um, And so those were the types of things that I focused on and continue to focus on around like, how do I, how do I keep my mindset and my, my thoughts in check, you know, because again, I mean, your thoughts are a whole other, (laughs) that's a whole other podcast of (laughs) the, the negative thinking and, and wrong thoughts that have been put in your mind from this whole experience as well. Um, And so it was just really finding the gratitude and joy in my, in my kind of like new, not new life, but my life away from him. Right. I don't know if that made sense for emotional safety. 
Oh, oh my gosh. There's so many nuggets that people are going to take away from that, Courtney. I first love this idea of that you changed it from saying um, crazy, that you, it took you, what took you out of being crazy or doing crazy things? <laughs> because so many times I'm just laughing because so many times like, oh my God, am I going crazy? Like, oh my gosh, like, you know, like, and you feel like that and you catch yourself going out looking for the person in their car and like leaving kids at home by themselves perhaps, or like, you know, you're, you're like checking phones and like, you're like being the, like, I felt like the FBI sometimes trying to figure things out. So I, I love that you changed it to safety seeking behaviors because what we're trying to do is gain control over our environment. And, and, and then I love that you shifted the focus back onto, you know what, if this ship goes down, like, you know, there's nobody's going to be left here, right? If I go down, this whole ship's going down. Like I, that is a pivotal moment. And I, I, that is the moment that you took your power back. And I just want to celebrate that. And the fact that you knew that you needed to look at yourself physically first. So you're looking at your state, like looking after yourself and your, and your needs and building up that strength and building up your determination. And I love the fact that you said, okay, I've always wanted to do a pullout, like let's build this strength. And, you know, and just that you were able to do that, but also prioritizing your children, prioritizing your sleep and recognizing that you needed to get strong physically. Mm -hmm. And then noticing this other element. I love that you bring in this emotional safety and the fact that you made a list that is so powerful and it, it is really important, right? And, and we call them like ways to save guard your mental health and it's different for everyone so what makes you feel safe almost right away and I love that you created like who am I what brings me joy what do I need to do when I'm kind of stepped out of my my comfort zone or, or pushed to my max or when I'm not emotionally regulated what do I need to do and I love that you always bring up this fact that honor those emotions sit in the wet diaper give them the attention that they need but then also this list that you come up with right move into gratitude thinking about a list of what you need to do when you're not feeling uh, emotionally regulated or emotionally safe and for you it's pouring a nice cup of tea it's like you know and I'm sure there's so many other things on that list. Um, but being prepared in that moment is like for me, burning incense, going out for a walk, um, doing a walking meditation, like where I'm aware of all my senses or um, yoga is a wonderful way for me to get out of my head, come into the, onto the mat, into the present moment, focused on my breath. And just, I love that you shared all that. Like, is there, is there anything else that's coming up for you? Yeah. I love um, the grounding techniques. Because, oh, yes. you know, I know we didn't talk about, so trauma shows up in your body, right? So it's not about, it's moving from your story and kind of what happened to what erroneous messages were left in your mind and how does it show up in your body? And so for me, you know, if I'm triggered or emotionally dysregulated, I start to notice like immediate fight flight response. Like I'm not a freeze person, never. <laughs> it's like, but you know that that something happened, and then it's like that immediate like heartbeat, my you know the heart racing, you know the adrenaline flowing. I've got the fight response down. Like, <laughs> and just recognizing, you know, when that happens, what do I need to do? Like, it's not ignore it right? It's, it's like, okay, well, that's happening for a reason, you know, 
what do I need for, to do for my body? And so a lot of my work has been on recognizing what my triggers are and noticing that those, like when you, when I get triggered, it's more, it's throwing you back in time to that place where you were traumatized, right? So all of these traumatic event, these traumatic dis- discoveries that I had over time, they are seared into my brain forever. Like I can't, there's pictures, videos, text messages, things that were said to me that I'm like, I can't forget those. And when it's something bad, it's like you, it, it somehow your mind just latches onto it. And it's like, you remember it like it was yesterday. Um, and so I feel like, you know, you can, you can almost feel yourself getting thrown back into that place of, oh, this is how I felt when this happened. And, and then I start like remembering that whole event and the whole conversation that happened. So a lot of my work is bringing myself back to the present moment and saying, you know, Courtney, like, look at your hands. Like I heard Tara Brock say, like, look at your hands, you know, see the aging of your hands, you know, look at the veins, like, know that you're in the present moment and you're safe right now. Like I have created safety. I am safe right now. You know, I don't need to get, I'm not in that place of trauma. Um, So there's a lot of like mindfulness and grounding techniques. Like you said, walking in nature has been instrumental for me. I love to notice like walking in the snow and noticing like the, the crunching of the snow. I walk with my dog. I watch, you know, her little ears bounce up and down. I love that. (laughs) And for me to get out and do that walk every day, you know, and that's my time where I can say, okay, I'm, I'm just going to not listen to anything and just look around and see what I notice because I do notice something new every day, even though I've I've walked in the same place for the last three years. (laughs) Um, But also that's my time to listen to podcasts and, and listen to audio books and talk to my friends and, you know, kind of do those things that are soothing for me. Um, So meditate, like I said, meditation, I think is wonderful. Yoga, even though I'm Yoga is like yoga and Pilates are like the hardest thing for me to do, but I make myself do them. (laughs) I would much rather do cardio or weightlifting, but I was like, you know what? It's a challenge for me. And sometimes you have to push yourself outside of that comfort zone. And once I do it, I'm like, good job, Courtney. Like you, you made it through that yoga workout, even though it was really hard for you because your flexibility is horrible. You did it right. And you accomplished it. And it doesn't matter if I, I couldn't do everything that was in the workout, but I did it to the best of my ability. And that's what matters, right? And so I think it's a lot of, like I said, like just rediscovering how to how to manage those those tough emotions, how to manage the trauma. Um obviously finding the right, if you need a therapist and finding the right support, support groups where people understand exactly what you're going through have been, you know, fantastic. Um, I found a group of women where they know exactly, we, we all feel the same thing that they know exactly what we're, I'm going through. They've been there before, <laughs> you know, it's, it's, I learn from these people because we always like bounce ideas, like what works for you? And, 
you know, some people say, try oh, the EMDR and I've done this, I've tried this because the way trauma has shown up for me is around things that I can, some things that I can't control around regulation, but some things that I can't control around like flashbacks and nightmares and like those things in the subconscious that come up and they do get better over time, but I don't think that they ever completely go away. Um, and, you know, getting to a place where like managing my anxiety, managing my sleep, like I was having such horrible sleep disturbances and anxiety and fears. Um, so really understanding like breathing techniques, grounding techniques, like how do I manage that anxiety in a healthy way? Um, and I think, you know, we're at a point where society as a whole, I think, is starting to recognize how important mental health is. And so there's so many tools and free resources out there um, and different things that you can try where it's like, if this doesn't work for you, try something else, <laughs> right? Like yes. so, so try yoga nidra. And I was like, I don't like yoga. I'm not going to do this. But then I tried it and I'm like, oh, so pretty much this is just meditation where you, you know, tense your muscles and relax. I'm like, I can do that. <laughs> Um, so it's just finding what works for you um, and kind of sticking to it and in realizing that like this is not this is not just a linear process of like, oh, one day you'll be just fine, like you'll be okay. Like this is a growth process. This is a lifestyle change, I would say, of you know, flipping from what happened to you to what can I learn from this? What can I learn from this? How do I use this to, to be a catalyst for change in my life for the better? How can I use what I've learned to teach my children certain things? Because I thought, oh my gosh, at 41, if I could go back in time and teach my teenage self what I know now, <laughs> you know, that would be amazing, right? Um, and so... It's just been a, it's been a journey and it's been, like I said, not linear. And there are times where you're like, I am just, I'm exhausted. I don't want to do anything today, but it's also that I'm going to listen to my body, right? So if I need to rest, I need to rest. You know, if I feel I'm feeling great and I want to push myself, fine, push myself. But it's, it's this, it's a whole, I don't know what whether to call I think journey would be the right word of just understanding yourself, you know, and understanding what you want, understanding, you know, what a healthy relationship even looks like for you, what healthy sexuality looks like for you. And I, th I think that is when you, as you start to learn this and you start to live a life that is congruent with what you want and your values and your morals, I was like, the peace and the happiness that brings is it's indescribable, right? Because you've spent this 20 years on this roller coaster yo-yo of chaos and insanity. And then all of a sudden yeah. you're like, wow, my life is like 
pretty boring. <laughs> but then you're like, it's <laughs> not like this isn't boring, Courtney. This is peace. Healthy. This is, yes. This is like, this is what people strive for in their life. You know, that chaos and insanity is not normal, right? Oh my um, gosh. Your your healing journey is so inspiring and you shared so many things with us and the listeners that can benefit. I absolutely love that you turn betrayal trauma where you're, you know, the person that you depend on, the person that you think loves you and that you love, it they betray you in some way. The trust is gone. They violate, you know, trust and things like that. And and they violate your well-being. And you move from such a beautiful place of honoring, yes, the trauma is still there. You still sometimes have nightmares, sometimes you have anxiety and things like that, but you learn all these amazing tools to help with with the triggers with the anxiety and 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 cope with them in a healthy healthy way and i love that you bring up this fact that it's lit it's like it's not one after another it's like some days there's ups and downs and that it's just a constant um process and journey it's a healing journey and i love that you bring up so many ideas for the listener and and uh, like present moment moving yourself into the right now the present moment mindfulness um walking in nature looking at your dog being with your dog uh yoga deep breathing uh audiobooks podcasts we love all those things too for inspiration reaching out to community or friends or a therapist and just rediscovering yourself, like coming back into, you know, and the other thing I love is that you have this inner encourager about you. And a lot of us have an inner critic and we're, we have this voice in our head that's so hard on us. I love that you have this inner encourager. It's like, no, Courtney, you can go down and do these chin-ups. You've been wanting to do them forever, these pull-ups. And I, I and, or even with the yoga, it's like, well, I can try this yoga and um, I can try a new type of yoga, yoga nidra. Like, and so it's really, I love that you shared your story of strength and tapping into all these wonderful um, tools to handle and navigate the stress response and to handle and downregulate that nervous system and, and to recognize that you have been through trauma and that um, looking after yourself, not only physically, but also your emotional safety and your emotional well-being have been so instrumental in how you've taken back your power. So I'm so grateful for you being here, Courtney. And if there's one last thing to share with the listener, what would it be? Yeah, I think it's that idea of you have a choice, right? So we can't control what they're going to do, do what they're going to do regardless. But we have a choice in certain things. We have a choice how we respond to what they do. We have a choice in what boundaries we set. We have a choice in what we allow into our life. And so a lot of the journey has been, you know, this taking back my power and controlling what I can control. And no matter what this person does, I can create the life that I want um, based on, you know, my resilience, my, my tools, my personality, and tailor it to what I really need. Because for so many years, I never got what I needed out of my relationship. But I can provide myself with what I need. I can provide myself with self-love, self-compassion, you know, all these things to be a a happy, healthy, whole person on my own. And I think that's that's where you get into this, what people call like your true self and your authentic self of like, 
I like who I am. Like, I really like who I am. <laughs> now, granted, there are things that I want to change and can do better. But again, it's this, I am able to grow. I am able to learn. I am able to take those lessons and change how I treat people, change my behaviors. You know, it, it's this evolving process of I am capable of true growth and healing and being a healthy person, um, you know, in spite of whatever happens to be going on <laughs> and, and that uh, insane, chaotic roller coaster addiction space, right? Oh my God, that is so lovely. And I just cannot thank you enough, Courtney, for being on the show and sharing your story of strength and resilience. You are an inspiration and I'm so happy to see you on this healing journey. And um, we've been together now, it must be over a year. We've, yeah. we've known each oh, other for now. So I, it just, you know, when we first met, we were in a, a darker place and we definitely have like, <laughs> yes. Uh, and I think that's the other thing to say to listeners, like, it's not easy, right? Like, no. you know, I'm, I'm not talking about, you know, the the days I didn't have my kids and I'm crying and having meltdowns. And, you know, it was a very tough journey to be comfortable with myself and to be alone. Like, it's still hard to be alone. Um, but it's a space where you, I'm starting to learn to re really enjoy my life and enjoy myself and enjoy like, I thought I had gratitude before. I thought I was happy before, but it's like, it's just a whole new level of happiness and authenticity and like true connections with, with people where I don't think I had in the past because there were so many, so many secrets, so many things that I was trying to hide around his behavior. And it was like, I just wasn't living a true healthy life. Right. Yeah. And it's amazing how, when you're, you're kind of on the other side of it, you, you see it in such a different light. And that is our, we're going to, we're going to talk about another episode too, about stay or go and the whole, the d dilemma of, you know, staying in a relationship or going. And, and obviously the answer is really just inside you, but I think that that is a wonderful podcast that we could do too. So thank you again, Courtney, for being thank here. You. And thanks uh, to the listeners as well. Yay. Thank you. Thank you for listening. If you want additional support, you can head on over to our website at savingyouiskillingme.com, where we have a wonderful, supportive, compassionate community. We are here for you. You are not alone. We also have a private Facebook group and Instagram feed called Saving You Is Killing Me, Loving Someone With An Addiction. Be sure to subscribe here so you get the latest episodes. And of course, share this with your community and your support group or anyone that's going through this struggle so we can all work together to take our lives back and restore joy. Thank you so much for joining me, not only today, but week after week. Although I wish we were meeting under different circumstances, I'm so grateful that I get to show up for you and share these episodes so that we can go on this journey together. Until next week, sending hugs.